our league website, lwvwnc.org, has a lot of voter resource tools on it. Please go there about voter registration, candidates, upcoming elections, whatever you need, we've probably got the information on our website, so please visit us. And if you appreciate these forums and you appreciate our website, consider becoming a member of the League. It takes a lot of effort. Volunteer, it's all volunteer effort. We are nonpartisan, we are uh, nonprofit, and we are very happy to be able to provide this opportunity to our county. And so with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Jennifer Granger. Jennifer is a long-term member of the League of Women Voters and a long-time moderator. She's a local attorney. I've turned my microphone on. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Candidate Forum for Districts uh, 3 and 4 of the Nevada County Board of Supervisors. Uh, we have two, di two, I'm sorry, three candidates for District 3, Patty Ingram Spencer, Lisa Swarthout, and Valentina Masters. And then we have two candidates for District 4, Susan Hook and Calvin Clark. Nice to see everyone here. Uh, so let's see. Um, I'm just going to go over the ground rules for the sake of audience members and a reminder for the candidates. Um, please take a moment to remember to turn off your cell phone. And um, let's see, audience questions will be printed on cards. So we have card runners in the back of the room. Uh, they're raising their hands now. So if you have a card, then like this woman here, just raise it up and the runners will grab the card. They'll bring them down to the card readers. The card readers will be screening the cards um, just to make sure we don't have duplicates. Please remember to make your questions uh, legible and brief. And also remember to ask, ask questions that for all candidates to answer and refrain from asking personal questions. So despite the fact that we have candidates running for districts three and four, they'll all be ask, answering questions. Uh, all five will be answering the same questions. Okay. And then in addition to audience questions, we'll alternate with media questions. Um, and the media panel is, we have um, William Roller here from the union, Chris Gilbert from KNCO, and Pasquale Fulshaller from Ubinet, of course. And the media members will be asking their own questions. They're not limited to the, the audience questions on the cards. Okay. Um, and then candidates will each have an opening statement for two, minute, two minutes each. And then uh, candidates will alternate in the order they answer the questions. So, for example, uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer will ask, answer first, and then down the line, the next question, Ms. Swarthart will answer. They each have one minute to answer a question uh, posed by both the media or the audience. Um, they do have an opportunity to rebut, uh, answer in a rebuttal, but we're asking the candidates to to please try and keep the rebuttals to a minimum, just so that we have 
more time to ask more questions so that we don't spend too much time on one question. Um, our timers tonight are Ariel Lovett and Star Carroll. So they will ensure the candidates stay to the time frame of two minutes for the opening and closing, then one minute for the answering the questions. Um, there is a, I think there's a 30 second warning, 30 second warning, and then there's actually a time's up. So of course, you don't need to stop in mid-sentence, but please try and be conscious about the time so that you don't run over too much. And we'll let you complete a thought or a sentence, but I will interrupt if you, know, you go on too long, just to keep it fair to everybody. Okay, um, audience members, we ask that you hold your applause until the end of the forum, please, to allow the candidates as much time as possible to express their views. Um, please refrain from outbursts or cheering or booing or stomping or clapping, any of that. At the end of the uh, forum, that's the time when people can clap to express their appreciation for all the candidates being here tonight. Okay, so uh, now it's time for the candidates to give their opening statements. Um, based on a card draw we had outside before the beginning, um, it was determined that Ms. Hook would start first, and then we'll go down the line, and then at the end of the evening, then we'll start our questions at the end of the evening. They will each have an opportunity for a two-minute closing. Okay, so with no more ado, Ms. Hook, please. Let's hear your opening statement. <laughs> okay, thank you. Good evening. Um, I appreciate you um, even having this opportunity for us to speak. So when I took office here in um, 2019, I understood the responsibility involved with standing up for community and the people of its needs. I've taken it very seriously. On almost any weekday, you can find me in my office or out in the community working. I've, done a, I've had an open door policy. Um, I talk with our citizens. I work with county departments to best serve our community. I'm a longtime Nevada County ranching family, and I'm a rancher myself, and I understand firsthand the importance of taking care of our land as well as the benefits and potential growth. I operate right here in the real world, not just from the theories out of books. I've intended to be in politics. No, I didn't, but here I am. And in this role, I've been able to accomplish much. We have positive things with dispensable space creation, economic boost through community resilience grants. Um, we have, we're working on better recreation opportunities and, and housing. So there's more work to be done. And um, our county is facing challenges in the economy, COVID homelessness. We've been prepared for aggressive wildfires and more. So I have the knowledge, I have the experience, I have a wonderful staff that backs me up. And um, I just am looking forward to answering any questions you have tonight and looking for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here, and thank you to the League of Women Voters uh, for this opportunity. My name is Patty Ingram Spencer, and I am a candidate for District 3 Supervisor. I was born in Nevada City in 1951, and I'm not afraid to tell you, yes, I'm 70 years old. 
I believe it's important to serve as an elected official and also as an appointed one, but more importantly, it's important to volunteer your time in service of your community. I have uh, before stated many um, attributes and uh, things of that nature. I look forward to your questions with regard to that and not bore you with all the details. But I will share with you that I have served on the board of the Greater Grass Valley Chamber of Commerce and was the chairman. I, am a, I was a board member for Hospice of the Foothills. I've been a Rotarian for approximately two decades in the Rotary Club of Grass Valley. I'm a board member for the Nevada County Fair Foundation. I am a native daughter of the Golden West, and I'm a daughter of the American Revolution. And my career in the title and escrow industry spanned 43 years in this county. I look forward to serving my community as your next District 3 supervisor with civility, respect, and with my eyes wide open. Nevada County is and has always been my home. Nevada County has been my family's home for generations, and I look forward to your questions and letting you know who I am, and I appreciate you being here, and I look forward to representing you come January. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Swarthout? Thank you. So thank you to the League of Women Voters for hosting us this evening, and thank you for all of you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and listen to us. My name is Lisa Swarthout, and I'm running to be the next District 3 Supervisor because I love this community and I'm passionate about seeing it be the best rural community in California. I've served for over 25 years in local government, including nine years on the Grass Valley Planning Commission and 16 years on the Grass Valley City Council, four of those 16 as your mayor. I graduated from Nevada Union High School in 1980 and CSU Chico in 1985, so now you know how old I am. Almost 60, it's very hard to say it, but almost 60. <laughs> I returned to Nevada County in 1989 and opened my business, Mill Street Clothing Company, which I owned and operated for 30 years. In addition to my business and local government work, I've sat on numerous boards and advisory committees over the last 30 years, including the Silver Springs Foundation Board, the Grass Valley Downtown Association, the Nevada County Economic Resource Council, Seroptimus International of Grass Valley, Sammy's Friends, and I was one of the founding board members of the Friendship Club. I currently sit on the board for the Center for the Arts, the Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Foundation. And I also volunteer my time these days with the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, Sammy's Nifty Thrifty Store, and the Cinderella Project. After serving the city of Grass Valley for 25 years, I feel it's time to take my commitment to the community and my leadership skills to a larger stage, serving as a next supervisor for District 3. Just a few of the issues I'm committed to working on, broadband for all, fire prevention and suppression, recreational opportunities, housing for all including the unsheltered, cannabis policy and economic development. I believe I have the skills and the leadership experience to advance these issues and improve the quality of life for our citizens. Again, I look forward to answering your questions this evening and appreciate the opportunity to do so, and I ask for your support on June 7th. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Masters? Hello, my name is Valentina Masters, and I am a 15-year-old resident of this wonderful county. I am a mother, I'm a business owner, and I have a master's degree in education. I traveled a bit, and I've seen many beautiful places. But the only place I call home is here in Nevada County. Word home intensifies if you're an immigrant and you feel belonging, and this is my place. I'm not a career politician, or let alone an owner of a long resume of political and bureaucratic affiliations. 
I have always been interested in utopian idea where humanity is thriving. And United States of America, beautiful constitution, has captured my heart. Coming here to this county and to this country made me feel I belong here. Growing up in a communist country, I always was against injustice and I did not like what I was seeing. However, I was never felt safe to express my opinions. But being here and being supported by the First Amendment of Constitution allows me that to have that right to be part of the future where I can state my voice and follow a regional constitutional acknowledgement of this country. I also represent a group of people who do not belong to the left or belong to the right. A group of people no longer associate with either one parties who have blood on their hands. Polarity is what brought us here together because that does not let us accomplish what we need to accomplish. I'm passionate about homeowners' rights. Right now, county is treating us as renters instead of homeowners. And I would like to revisit the last 20 years of resolutions where we can look at them constitutionally, not what benefits the county. I also would like to bring to our attention that I want to have a spirit of pursuit of happiness that we're all here on this planet, that we forgot to live our lives. And my principle is do no harm to yourself or to others. Thank you. So audience, I'd like to remind you to please not clap during the presentation. This is a, uh, not a debate, it's a forum for the candidates to express themselves. And at the end of the forum, everyone will have an opportunity to clap, okay? Thank you. Okay, so Mr. Clark, you're next. Okay. I wanna thank everyone who's here today. It's a blessing to see this room so filled. I wish it had been filled a lot over the last year um, with uh, you as our Board of Supervisors did many different things that, I, that shocked me into even running. I am a father of three, uh, a husband of one wife, and we live in Rough and Ready. And we have had 27 goats. We've, I've served in several uh, groups uh, and um, the char a charter school, I was on the, their council. I created and founded the Nevada County Parents for Student Success. Uh, and I worked in several nonprofits uh, that were for the betterment of mankind in our community. Um, I have worked in real estate industry as a disclosure specialist for over 42 years. And I've worked in the industry of um, uh, helping to preserve your property rights as a watchdog in the community here. Um, I don't want to brag and say that I'm the greatest advocate of property rights, but um, if you look over the last uh, 24 years, um, you might think that for all the comments that I've made at the, at the Board of Supervisors here. Um, I believe that uh, uh, less government and more responsibility is really important and that we have a duty as citizens to engage with our government and look toward the dream of the way it should be and help our county to abide that dream of limited government with more responsibility and accountability. 
I really believe that the citizens should not be victims of the real cost of burnout and blind spots by our elected officials. It's very important that we understand that, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Please vote for me June 7th. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now we'll start with our questions. Uh, we'll start with a media question. Um, first from William Roller at the Union. And then uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer, you will answer, answer first, and then we'll go down the line with Ms. Huck, number five. Okay. <clears throat> good evening, uh, Will Roller with the Union, and uh, good evening, uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer. Uh, I would like to begin by um, talking about the um, Idaho Maryland Mine Project. Uh, instead, I'd like, uh, rather, I don't intend to ask how you plan to vote on the um, uh, proposal, but instead I'd like to know what aspects of the mine would you, uh, play a large role when making your decision and why? Thank you, William. Nice to meet you in person. Um, so we know that this is a very large project and I have had the occasion to read all of the draft EIR um, and listen to comments made to the Planning Commission. I think, for me, the biggest issue would be traffic and water. Without elaborating on that, I think you all have heard the comments and can probably see that those are probably two of the biggest issues would be traffic and water. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Swarthart? So I would say that environmental degradation is probably the largest issue, and there's so many unknowns in uh, the work that's being done right now, and that's why they're doing the draft EIR, so that some of those questions will be answered. Um, water quality, air quality, traffic, uh, lack of housing for workers that might be coming here to work there. Um, there's just a myriad of things that are very concerning, and they will all be addressed in the draft EIR and also in the economic development study that the county is working on right now. Thank you. Ms. Masters? Um, I, agree with all my, uh, all of, I agree with all of you ladies, um, except my issue is a little bit deeper. Ben Bozeman, who's owned Yellow Giant Mine in British Columbia, left the area polluted waters, they left Canadian with toxic mess to clean up, and in the end, he filed bankruptcy. So the fact is, the question is that we actually dealing with the criminals on the county level, that is the big issue. Why are we even having this discussion where we're allowing criminals like that destroyed environment in Canada come to our town and affect that for generation? That's number one. Secondly, what is the amount of indemnification bond to mitigate environmental losses or damages? I would like to see at least a $100 million insurance policy. I would like to know if Lloyd and Boyds are covering that insurance bond. And I would like to see all the benefits and beneficiaries of that insurance policy because right now they don't have much money in the banking account. They only have 400000 However, why are we having this discussion? And in the end... If we sell out our county, what are we getting out of it? Thank you. Sorry about the interruption with the timer. It's, I, it's a tough one. Okay, uh, Mr. Clark. 
Well, friends, over the last year and a half, we've seen a board of supervisors that have concealed facts which were known and which should have been known. And they concealed these facts on many different subjects. I'm concerned that right now we have a board of supervisors that will lead our county into a very, very private and agreement excluding the public about the mine and other things. That's why I'm running. Um, I know that the mine issue has to do with a couple of things. Property rights on both sides. And if I were to take a scale and measure it right now, 60 years ago was a different time. Thank you. Thank and you. I, so I'll postpone the mine. Okay. Uh, now we'll take um, an audience question. I get it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ms. Ms. Hook. No, no, that's okay. So I think the question was, what would be my responsibility? I believe that was the question. And um, so sitting here as a Board of Supervisor, my job is to be unbiased. My job is to look at all the information. My job is to um, study the EIR, which has really been interesting, and work with staff. Um, I've got a very full folder of information from my public, from both sides. Um, that's part of my job. I listened to the Planning Commission. There were some very intelligent comments made and um, I'm looking forward to see what the the new as it, the draft comes back because there were a lot of comments that all have to be addressed there's a process that we go through and the county's been very transparent in that process it might not seem that way because it's com complicated but um, it truly is going to be a very hard decision when it gets to the board but I believe that the work's being done I'm waiting for that economic study to come back, I think that's going to be a little bit helpful. And again, looking to see how all those questions were answered from the Planning Commission. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Clark, would you like to make a rebuttal? Uh, yes, I would. Um, okay, so one minute for your rebuttal. We have a Board of Supervisors that have been touting this idea that they're transparent over the last year and a half, two years. Um, keep in mind, when they did their three-day special meeting at Gold Miners Inn, where they had three days of conferences, and they spoke about all of the future mission and the plan for the year, they um, forgot to include the public. Uh, there was only one public comment, and that was on January 19th. On the 20th and 21st, no public, there was only room also for 30 seats to have a discussion about the whole year's plan for the county. And if you go online right now at mynevadacounty.com, you'll find under January 19th, 20th, and 21st, a statement here about their audio and video that it's not available for those meetings. So there's no transparency in this county. Thank you. Okay, so you each get, please, Please, audience, refrain from making comments, statements. Just at the end, you can have your say. Okay. Um, so who would like to have one minute for further rebuttal? Ms. Masters? Yeah. Okay, one minute, please. Um, an, issue, an issue of mine is the same issue as raping our environment. And I don't care how many documents the rapist will come to my house and present how beneficial it is for me to be raped. The answer is no. So the same thing is here. I don't care how many documents Board of Supervisors has to prove that this is going to work for us. 
The answer is no. We're dealing with criminal organization and the fact that we've been considering that is insult to our integrity, insult to our future generation, and insult to our intelligence. Ms. Ingram Spencer. I like being concise, so there, this won't get very wordy, but every applicant has the opportunity to appear in public for public hearings, and they need to have that public process. That's what we require with any planning, with any applicant has that right, without prejudice and without favor. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So now we'll move to an audience question, and Ms. Swarthout, you will answer first, followed by Ms. Masters and so on. Okay, um, this is a question about wildfire. If elected, what forest management and wildfire prevention strategies would you advocate to reduce wildfire risk? So, um, I think that currently the county is actually taking on a pretty great strategy for what they're doing, which is helping people clear the fuels off their properties, helping with the uh, ingress and egress onto their properties so that firefighters can uh, access their property if there is a fire. Um, I think that we need to continue to enforce uh, state law 4291 in regard to clearing and making sure that people are, are doing what they need to be doing to make their homes fire safe. I believe that uh, working with CAL FIRE, with the Fire Safe Council, um, with the Team Rubicon who was here after the storms are all processes that the county needs to continue doing. I think that the future of our community and our safety is dependent upon us all taking responsibility and working together um, with local agencies with the county um, taking care of all of the, the fire issues. Thank you. Ms. Masters? Yes, I'm going to propose an unorthodox idea. I grew up in the communism. And once a month, the entire city went outside on the streets and cleaned their town. We have 100,000 population of this town. Why can't we take one day a month and all of us go out there and clean our town, clean the forest, clean up our space, because cleanliness of the surrounding brings safety to each one of us. So instead of just thinking about my property or my this, let's look, think from a point of view, this is our community. Our forest belongs to us. So all of us take one day a month or maybe one day, two months, and let's go there and make it fun, make it community, and help our environment. Mr. Clark? As a former volunteer fireman at 16 years old on the Bullion Fire Department in Alta Sierra, and having jumped fire line before once, um, and being rescued by CAL FIRE, there is a collaborated effort between the state and the counties in this regard. And just the other day, I spoke in favor of um, an effort to put the fire out, and it did pass here um, in your county, at the Board of Supervisors here, just last Tuesday. Uh, it's very important to have working communities 
that understand the fire hazard. Uh, being able to burn, I believe sometimes burning at night is, is most beneficial, um, but I think cutting back on government regulation in a lot of areas will help us to manage our properties better and we'll be able to afford a little bit safer community that way. Thank you. Ms. Hook? So the county has been very engaged as far as emergency preparedness goes. Um, I think collaborations with our different agencies and some of the grant funding to do the roadside vegetation that we're working on. We have 530 miles of road here that we have to manage and look for evacuation. Um, we're working at creating that more dispensable space for properties where I work with Fire Safe Council and our Fire Safe communities that are doing amazing jobs. Um, we are working hard at engaging um, our residents and our people here about emergency preparedness, um, what, fi what fireland um, stewardship is about. And then of course, um, the biggest thing is looking how do we um, get rid of the vegetation that we have and that'll be a big priority for the county this year. And I would just encourage everybody to look at mynevadacounty.com because there's a lot of great information on Ready, Set, Go and um, how that all plays out and our new evacuation route program is going to be coming up in the next two weeks and so the county is very engaged in fire safety. Ms. Swarthout? No. Me. I'm sorry, Ms. Ingram Spencer. I had the mic already too. So, <laughs> so um, I, w I intend to work with the county agencies, fire agencies, county staff, and uh, the Fire Safe Council, Council because reducing the fuel load is so greatly important instead of just modifying where it is. So my idea would be fuel reduction, hauling it off. You can ship, masticate it, but you need to haul it off because ground fuel dictates fire behavior. And if you pile it up, it's going to stay there. It's going to smolder. You can't get it out. And if you don't have a maintenance plan in existence, it's going to grow back bigger, faster, and stronger and just create more fire fuel than we had to begin with. Okay. Um, next we go to... Oh, did you want to do a rebuttal, Mr. Clark? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> The fire district in Truckee, about three months ago, I don't remember the exact date, but they decided to pass a parcel tax of $174. And this board of supervisors agreed to do it. It's coming your way. Whatever district you live in, you know how many parcels I think, do you remember? Anyway, it's, it's a lot of parcels. $174 for government to go clean under the trees for you. And then you have the state that wants to ban chainsaws. And we just went through a snowmageddon. How are you gonna remove your tree with a battery-powered chainsaw? There, it takes a watchdog supervisor like me to say, no, we're not gonna follow some policies for our area. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Forthart, rebuttal. So there's about 42,000 parcels in Nevada County. Sorry. There's about 42,000 parcels in Nevada County, but just so you, that we're clear, the town of Truckee passed that parcel charge. The people passed it. The county didn't pass it. The voters passed it. They believed that they wanted to tax themselves so that they could pay for fire service. Right. So I, I think that that's a really important distinction when you're accusing our county of taxing people. 
Mr. Clark, could you please, you've, you've had your rebuttal. It's the other candidate's time. Thank you. Okay, and Ms. Hook, I think you wanted to. Uh, I did, but Lisa clarified that perfectly. The county, what they did is they actually supported, they, they came and said, would you, do you support us doing this in our community? And we said, it was up to you, and yes, we supported it. But it was a vote of the people of Truckee. That's right. Okay. Uh, Ms. Mast, okay, we're good. Okay, uh, so now we're going to a media question, and this will be posed by you, Bennett, Pasquale, and we'll start with Ms. Masters. Okay. Good evening, candidates, and thank you for being a candidate. It's not easy. So you want to be <clears throat> supervisors. So in your opinion, how many hours a week should a supervisor put in to work for their district and for the county in general, and how much should you get paid? And it should not be paid anything. This position should be volunteered. This position should be coming from the love of the community and love of preserving our home. Uh, so however, it should not be paid whatsoever. That way, the people only really who cared about the home and community will be interested in here without any financial contribution. Mr. Clark? I, I do agree with uh, Valentina, and as a matter of fact, I opposed the supervisors giving themselves a raise. I think it's a conflict of interest, and I believe that if you are going to serve the people, you are a public servant, and I would be all for changing the name of supervisor in this county to public servant. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Ms. Hook? So I would say any day given week, probably, I spend anywhere from 35 hours at least, probably sometimes 40. Sometimes I'm here at 8.30 and I don't get home until 9.30 at night. Um, I work directly with a lot of my constituents. I'm on numerous committees and commissions. I work with our legislators and I work with our staff. Um, did we give ourselves a raise? We did, it was a mandate we were looking at through um, well, it wasn't a mandate, sorry, wrong, wrong tone, but um, it came from uh, the grand jury. Um, it was about three supervisors back and we addressed it because you know what? We'd like to support younger people that like to come and have a family and maybe be a part of what's happening in this community. It takes a lot of time. If I didn't have family to step into the place and do some of the ranching that I do, I certainly couldn't put the hours and the time that I put in here. But because I do have the passion for this community, I was raised here. I've been here all my life. My family's been here since the 1800s. So this is, it is a public service, whether you get paid for it or not, and it's not a huge amount. Ms. Ingram Spencer? Yes. I, I would look at the uh, position of a board of supervisor as a job. And the amount of time that I would put into it would dictate my abilities as a supervisor to rep represent my community. I intend to be out there. I intend to be on the committees and working them. I know that sometimes um, the committees that are out there for health and human services or um, code enforcement, maybe they don't have the representation of their board, 
member, I'll be there. If I'm appointed to a position, I will be there and I will serve. As far as getting paid, why not? Ms. Swarthout? I, too, will take the job very seriously and, and take as much time as is needed to do the job, whether that's 20 hours a week or 60 hours a week. Um, I've served you know, in public service for many years, and I, at the city of Grass Valley, I think you make $275 a month, which works out to about $5 or $3 an hour, depending upon how much time you put in. But I just want to say that none of us, at least in my experience, and I've worked with a lot of uh, elected officials in the community, none of us do it for the money. We do it because we love this community, we care about what happens here, and we want to make this the best possible place it can be. So I consider myself a public servant. And you know, as far as getting paid, it's one of the perks of doing the job. But again, I don't think any of us do it for the money. We do it because we want to sit up here and we want to make a difference. We want to help people. Ms. Masters, you want to give a rebuttal? Yes. Okay. Um, I and Clark proposing town hall meetings and if we have once a month as a community town hall meetings and have a town decides what works for us, we as a board of supervisors don't have to spend hours and hours of research. Whatever towns decide, we vote on it. And there's your cost right there saving on paying us for salary. Mr. Clark? We know that our county needs leadership, but not leadership. The kind of leadership that a lot of people in the community look up to are people who, like Dr. Wagner, would volunteer to work for free as a public health officer and avoid this Board of Supervisors wasting $450,000 this year. We have other wasted money. They spent $200,000 on a program to monitor every child and every parent who has a cell phone in this county for a six-month contract. The waste of money, $6.1 million I witnessed being spent in five minutes in this room. We have such waste. Yes, the hours, to answer Pascal's question, the hours that are spent are not full-time. Everything is farmed out. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer, rebuttal. Just briefly, I've um, corrected people when they've called me a politician. A politician does this for a living. We're, uh, we want to be elected officials. We want to be elected by the public to serve the public. We are not politicians. You can look at that in Sacramento at the federal government if you want, to, want a politician. We want to serve the public, and we want to be an elected official, not a politician, and that's why we serve. Rebuttal. Yeah, I would just say it's too. Yeah, it's for love of community. That's why we do this. And it's for you. And I guess you have to look at, do you want somebody that speaks for all the people? I mean, that's, that's the process. And you have to come and be a part of that process. And we open our door for that. And the other thing I just want to say, so come to my website too and look because there's a fact and fiction, myths and miscommunications. There certainly is not any truth to having our children tracked by telephones. He, it's true. It is not true. So I just want to say, uh, go Ms. there. Ms. Masters, I you've already say, had your rebuttal. Like I said, just go to the website and look that, or come in and let's have a conversation. You bring my phone number, and I will have you meet with um, our staff, and we can show you the details. Okay.
Thank you. No, you've already had a rebuttal, so we're going to move on. Thank you. Okay, so this question is an audience question, um, and Mr. Clark, you answer first, uh, and it's on the topic of homelessness. Do you believe that a tent city of houseless people would be a good temporary solution while permanent housing is being developed? Mr. Clark. Um, I do believe that we do have a crisis of homeless people. Many of them are being dropped off in our county. I've met some of them. As a matter of fact, on the way to the Board of Supervisors meeting to speak one time, coming out of Valentina's, there was a homeless guy laying in the gutter. And I thought, instead of him getting run over, I should invite him to hop in. So he hopped in, and he asked, I asked him, where is he going? He said, anywhere. So I said, I'm going to the Board of Supervisors, and you can look that up. And he actually spoke. And he said he was going to run for governor. But <laughs> the Board of Supervisors have neglected the homeless in this county. They've created a dilemma. Yes, I believe there should be an area where they can go, where there's at least a toilet, some running water. And if there's a place where they can put a tent, great. And there needs to be protection in this community. We have public health issues huge public health issues. They spent millions and millions of dollars on public health and very little on homelessness. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Hook. Do I believe in a tent city? No, that's probably not our particular way to deal with the homeless. Um, we are doing all kinds of work. We have a partnership with um, Omni Housing and Sierra Community House. We're doing the state housing um, and home key prot program where we've actually homed these folks into hotel rooms for the time while we find them in the wraparound services. We continue with that project. We've helped over 300 unique households do that. We've expanded um, the capacity in our Odyssey House because mental health tends to be a huge part of what we're seeing in homelessness. Um, we've increased affordable and subsidized housing. We've put in 175 units of affordable housing and, and you know, the completed the leasing. We've done a lot of different things. I think the challenge here is we work with um, Hospitality House. We have a home team that goes out and meets these folks in their, in their environment. The biggest thing we need to do is get those wraparound services to them, not to keep keeping them homeless and keeping them out in, in the woods. So there's a lot of work being done. Thank you. Uh, so, Mr. Clark, the format is that each, each of the candidates has an opportunity to speak, and then at the end, if you'd like to ask for a rebuttal, we can address it then. Okay. So, Ms. Ingram-Spencer. Thank you. I think one of the county's uh, objectives were to strengthen the navigation process for interim housing for the unhoused and to look at those vulnerable residents and how they can be helped. I do know that there is a program that is being thought about, and it, it is an intriguing uh, process. It's called Home Path. Um, I don't know enough about it, but I'm willing to listen to anyone that has ideas on how we can solve this problem, because my concern is at some point the money's going to run out. The money coming in to, to assist with programs is not always going to be there. And we need to find a way to house these people, those that want to, the ones that are 
out in the woods, Sue and I have had this conversation. You don't, you don't know how to bring them in. If they don't want to come, they're not going to come in. But I'm willing to look at any option that the county has, any program that's out there, to try to make it work for the unhoused. Uh, Ms. Swarthout? Thank you. So the county actually has done a tremendous amount of work in the last four or five years to help the homeless situation. There's 42 units of supportive housing that are gonna be coming online in the Brunswick Common Project in the next few months. Hospitality House has purchased a 20-bed facility in Grass Valley that they are working on renovating, and they have plans for another 20 beds. So there's 82 spots potentially that will be opening up in the next year or so to house people. I have done a lot of research on the tent cities over the years because it's been proposed many times in the city of Grass Valley, and I can't say that I would support that. There's a lot of issues involved with it, and it's very complicated, and finding a place to locate something like that in Nevada County, I believe, would be very difficult. So I truly support the work of getting the unhoused people into permanent housing situations versus temporary camping, um, living in the streets, that sort of thing. Ms. Masters? Before I start speaking, I would like to ask for two minute of uh, one minute rebuttal added to my uh, speech. Um, I work, I own a restaurant in Brunswick, and uh, for the last 15 years, I've served personally between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock free breakfast for my homeless people. I serve between 10 people to 50 people a day for the last 15 years that's coming out of my pocket that I have to work extra day to pay for that. So I know their names, I know their stories, I know their backgrounds, I know everything about them. Homeless people don't need help. They need dignity. They need, they need I need two more minutes on this conversation. So Ms. Masters, mm -hmm. the format is, is set so that oh. people don't have two minutes to answer your questions. So okay. the way it works is each of you get a minute, okay. and then if you're so compelled to ask for a rebuttal, then we'll, we'll address it at that time. Okay. But, but in all fairness to the candidates, okay. each of you have a minute. Okay. Thank you. So I do not support uh, 10 cities whatsoever. What I support is for the county for the last two years, actually, uh, my brother-in-law printed uh, from a board of supervisors from our county is our net income for the county. We spent, third, four, uh, we spent $77 million on public assistance in the last two years. We can come up with something that have a permanent solution where homeless people can live and can work and they can feel productive, so they can have their integrity back, and they can have a future, and it's going to be affected for the rest of generations, and we can do that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mr. Clark, you want to have a rebuttal? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, so, you know, I sat through several meetings about mental health, public health, and there is definitely a crisis in this county. Um, we're looking at absolutely overlooking the real issue here. Um, we have people who are hardworking families. They can't afford to take care of their families. And some of them are mental health patients. So they're working during the day, but they're not, they don't have access to their government because this county board of supervisors will not have evening meetings to discuss these things and to make a, a, a collaborative effort and a partnership instead of with these, all these third parties 
that are out there, lots of money being thrown at it. Where's the partnerships with the parents and the families and the property owners, many of which would like to live on their own property, but they're forbidden in this county? Um, okay, would any of the other four of you like to rebut? I want to bring uh, back my point is our homeless people are tired of being helped. They want to go to the facilities and not just going to spend 30 days on rehab. After being a drug addict for 10 years, 30 days is not enough to get cleaned. And they're back on the streets and back on the streets and back on the streets and ICT is paying for it. So in order to do that, we're gonna have to change the system. Instead of helping them, we actually have to find a solution. How do we help them long-term? Not just putting Band-Aid and putting Band-Aid and coming up with something that will make them feel productive. Maybe even some factory or maybe some growing some food where every homeless person has opportunity to work and bring something to society. So they can look us in the eye and feel good about themselves. Maybe a job putting out excess vegetation. Absolutely. Cleaning up the forest. So, you know, you guys, really, it would be really great if you guys would please respect the forum and not shout out or... Very, really great if you respect good ideas. Okay, well, at the end of the forum, <laughs> at the end, we're, I think we're trying to all be respectful of everyone's ideas, so just please refrain from your comments until the end. That's all we're asking. Thank you. Okay. Um, Ms. Hook, Igor Spencer, Swarthout, a rebuttal. Okay. So we're moving on to um, Chris Gilbert of KNCO, who will be asking a media question, and we'll start with Ms. Hook. Good evening, candidates. And uh, just wanted to ask, how would you assess the county's current transportation efficiency and safety regarding its roads and highways? So good question, and there's work being done continuously through um, Nevada County Transportation. Um, so some of the funding is actually limited to what comes through Caltrans and some of our funding from the federal and the state level. I think our commission does a really good job of bringing in those fundings. And, um, and then if you look at the county roads and uh, what we're doing, I think uh, we were been in behind because of uh, the gas tax went down there for quite a while. So we're really rebuilding those reserves. And um, but we had just had a great um, uh, a meeting with uh, the director from Public Works on the capital facilities and the capital work that's going to be done on the roads. We've got some of that new stripping that they're going to look at different instead of doing uh, the, we got the high friction services that we've been implying for safety. I think they've been making a big difference. We have some different opportunities in North San Juan. We even have a crosswalk now uh, on the highway there. So um, is there work to be done? There's always work to be done, but um, I think they put 100% of effort into working in the, the roads and the highways in Nevada County. Ms. Ingram Spencer. I think there's, like Sue said, I think there's always work that can be done. Um, certainly striping, uh, repaving. My issue mostly is with the city of Grass Valley and, and how many potholes I hit on my way to and from my home. Um, although the, the city did do quite an extensive uh, overlay this last year. Um, it all depends on where the money's coming from. City has their 
their tax that comes in, their sales tax, which is very helpful. County has to look at money coming through Caltrans and Nevada County Transportation Commission and programs like that. Thank you. Ms. Swarthout? Thank you. It really is all based upon the money. And unfortunately, when you live in a rural county, you don't receive the state funding that you do when you live in bigger areas because it's based on population. So I think strengthening our relationship with Caltrans to make sure that we are getting our fair share of rural transportation dollars to maintain our, our highways and our roadways, and then also uh, you know, working closely with our public works department so that we're prioritizing the projects that are happening, and we're using the gas tax dollars the most efficiently way possible. Um, there always can be more. You know, I was part of the team that uh, put Measure E on the ballot in the city of Grass Valley, and it has made a huge difference. So looking for different funding sources for our roads, you know, Nevada County's 960 square miles. That's a lot of roadways and a lot of things to maintain. So prioritizing, figuring out how to bring in more dollars through the state, I think will be really helpful. Ms. Masters? Um, we can find some money from uh, a board of supervisors that passed ordinance on a monitor our children by drones. They passed under pretense to monitor marijuana. My daughters were part of the group that met with kids every Wednesday night, and we had a drone surveilling our children. And it was not a drone that you can buy on Amazon or Best Buy. This was a commercial, heavy-duty, probably $10,000 drone. So we're paying money to surveillance our children and monitor them. But this snow plowing system, I want to address this to Board of Supervisors, if you guys hear me. Our hospital was not plowed for two days. This is in the Grass Valley when we had like foot of snow. This is not Siberia when there's five, 10 feet of snow droughts. This is two feet, one or two feet of snow. We were not plowed. Yet we monitor our children. What are they doing and what, where are they? We have money for that funding, but we don't have funding to basic safety issue where the hospital, people couldn't go to the hospital. Thank you, Mr. Clark. Your sign now says, I'm up. You lost your tea. <laughs> on the time up sign person there. As long as you don't lose your coffee. Don't You're up. You want to give her a microphone. Um, you know, what we're talking about is core services. And, you know, we have uh, things that are necessary, uh, parts of government that help maintain roads, help keep the jail working properly, law enforcement under the oath of office, um, required maintenance, um, and yeah, I'm all for leveraging state uh, funds where needed because we pay into that. They take the money from us as county citizens and property owners. Um, I'm all for uh, core services. And I'm not for, you know, uh, using our roads to allow homeless, uh, just like today, earlier, uh, a naked woman at Ridge Road and Rough and Ready Highway caused an accident. Um, so she's out in the middle of the road. And then yesterday in Penn Valley at the park, there was an overdose, um, you know, and, and there's people there who say people are speeding by. And I believe that we should reduce the speed right there uh, past the Gateway Park where the disc golf and the pavilion entrance is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you want a one-minute rebuttal? Okay, up to one-minute rebuttal. Ms. Ingram Spencer. Thank you, and so it's going to be a comment. I apologize. One, one, of the, um, one of the things that I am so proud of, the last thing that we did with collaboration with Caltrans, 
Nevada County Transportation Commission, City of Grass Valley, was the Dorsey Drive interchange. Made a huge difference to access to our hospital, to Sierra College, and to alleviate the traffic congestion, what it could be done, at Brunswick. So the collaboration is what makes these things happen, and we need to work together to do projects like that. Um, I'd just like to say as an aside, I drove my dad's Jeep down the freeway when it was dirt before it was actually paved. So it's been here a long time and it took a long time to get Dorsey Drive in and it's there and I'm happy that it's there. Okay, so now next we move to an audience question um, and we begin with you, Ms. Ingram Spencer. Are you, it's regarding the Centennial Dam. Are you in favor or opposed to the proposed Centennial Dam on the Bear River? Why? Well, let me say this. I should say why or why not. <laughs> <laughs> the city of Grass Valley purchases water from NID. If NID doesn't have water, they will provide water to their immediate ratepayers, and the city of Grass Valley won't get water. So my comments would be, we need water. I'm not sure if it's Centennial Dam or not. I'm not clear on what's happening there, but if we don't start having water retention, water reservoirs, and I'll hasten to say the word dams, we're, not, we're gonna be in a world of hurt. So water, water, water is very important. Uh, Ms. Swarthout? So that is true that the city of Grass Valley and the city of Nevada City do buy their water from NID. And they actually threatened the city of Grass Valley um, several years ago saying that if there wasn't water and we didn't support the Centennial Dam, that uh, they would no longer be providing us water, which our attorney said that's not how it works. So we felt like we have some protection. The city had some protection with the whole thing. Um, I know that, that there are people out there who um, are very opposed to putting a dam out there for the environmental reasons. And I think before I would offer an opinion on yes or no, I would need to know a lot more about the environmental impacts of building it. Um, and if you look at uh, some of the statistical information that NID has put out recently, even though there is a drought in California, our water provider does have enough water to provide us all of our residents piped water that receive it from NID currently. Uh, Ms. Masters? Um, I don't know much about issue, but my first question, why is our city buying our water from some company? That's my first question. That doesn't make sense to me, but I don't know if that's politics, I don't know if it's economics, but to human being who has common sense, that makes no sense. My next question is, um, I am against altering our environment in any way. So I don't know how DM will affect environment, so that is something that needs to be researched. I don't know. And secondly, um, if we don't pass the mine, we don't have to spend 36 million gallons a day on the mine. There's your water. Solution is very simple, so thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Clark? Water's a vital resource, not humans. Humans are not on the endangered species list in this county. As a matter of fact, your children just last week were not included 
as something to be protected. They're called resources that can be managed by this county. When it comes to water, it's a vital sustaining life need. Um, I think the EIR reports and, um, and the impacts should be looked at, and I think that the community should look at them openly. Um, and I don't like closed deals or concealment, and um, I have a vision where there's a lot more community involvement and decisions, and when we look at that, we have, we have to reach out and ask the citizens about this, and we don't need referendums and bully governments telling us what to do. Thank you. And Ms. Hook. Oh, thank you. So um, NID's doing their um, new water study, and uh, until that really gets done and the EIR is finished, because it, it's not done at all, it's kind of hard to make a decision whether something is positive or negative. Do I look at this drought situation as real? Yeah, I've lived here all my life and 134 years going back in my grandparents' list of dates and rainfall. We've never had this dry of a season. And so um, do we have to look at the future and what water storage is going to be? And do we have to look how are we going to manage to have food security in Nevada County with that, without water, if that was the case? So um, I think we all have to keep an open mind. I think we have to look and we have to wait until all the information is. You can't make a hasty decision on something that you really don't know all of the facts on in the environment. So I think that's our job as people is to look at things openly until it gets to the place where we have to make those decisions. Uh, Mr. Clark, you want to give a rebuttal? Yeah, <clears throat> it's actually a rebuttal this time. It's not our job, it's our duty as representatives of the public to invite you to make the partnership with an equally yoked partnership at least. You know, people talk about transparency. May I remind you, their planning meeting three days for the year excluded you and you can't even watch the videos of what they were planning on January 19th, 20th, and 21st. If you go on My Nevada County and look at that, these videos were taken down. They were up. And we have, we have misrepresentation here. You want representation. And I see a vision where you are involved in this process with your local government. And without local governments, we have problems. We need to be small units, and we need to have the people in the communities giving us feedback. Thank you. Any other rebuttals? Okay, thank you. So next we go to a question, a media question from William Roller at the Union. And uh, Ms. Swarthart, you go first. <coughs> Good evening, uh, Ms. Swarthart. Uh, <coughs> What could you do as a supervisor to ensure that homeowners in this county have access to affordable fire insurance for their homes? And what might be some of the components of this uh, bigger picture question? And would it be more fire stations, more firewise communities, or something else altogether? So all of the above. Um, I think that, you know, we have to act on behalf of our citizens down in Sacramento with uh, the insurance companies and through the insurance commissioner to work with the insurance companies to make sure that uh, they're not gouging our residents. There's a, I know that the county works with a lobbying firm that helps with that. I was at a meeting a couple of years ago when the insurance commissioner came here and he did answer a lot of questions from folks. 
But it also comes back to your fire safeness of your community and are we doing the necessary things to help people harden their homes so that their fire insurance can come down. And I think that that's really important as we work through the issues um, of fire safety and also fire suppression. Um, there, our fire stations are pretty well staffed in this community, but when there's a major fire and some of them are out on, fi on, on other calls, there is some question. So fire suppression and fire uh, uh, safety are two of the things that go hand in hand. Maybe more additional firefighters are needed. That's something that we can look at as a community. Ms. Masters? Fire in our community is a real danger and it's a real issue. So when there is an emergency or when there is something serious happening, what does community do? We gather, get together and we do something about it. So maybe instead of talking and worrying about insurance companies, how do we get together maybe once a month for, up until June or once every weekend, every Saturday, and let's clean up our community. Let's do something and clean up our forests. Bring our homeless. We have a free labor. We will feed them, we'll give them something to do, and we have free labor up until June to help us with that. And if we don't pass the mine, we have 36 million gallons of water every day for, to fight the fires. Uh, Mr. Clark? You know, it's, it's a default um, problem we have where if you have a home and you're in a contract with a lender, they're going to require that you have coverage. We've been overregulated in California. The insurance companies, some of them can't sell insurance here. Um, we have had a very big problem with forest management, which has created an increase of insurance rates. I don't like big government, and I don't like a lack of involvement. We do need to collaborate with the rest of the counties that are the rural counties. And I don't mean with the groups that are government-sponsored groups in California that this, this Board of Supervisors brings back their marching orders and approves it in 48 hours. We need to have a little bit more community involvement, understanding, and having time to look it over before they vote. Uh, Ms. Hook? Insurance is going to continue to be an issue as we go through. Remember, insurance is private companies, right? So they came and they've taken some hit over the years. So what do we have to do is we have to really start protecting ourselves as well. We have um, the ability to go through the care, the fair share plan, which we know is a struggle. So it is available. But hardening our homes is probably one of the key components to wildfire. I think it's very important. And that's an educating purpose. I mean, they're the, the vents that you put, the way that you protect the angles of your home, and the vegetation are really important. So the county continues to educate. We have our, um, our website that you can go up and look at. We have our Ready, Set, Go um, pamphlet that you can read. Um, fire Safe Council is working. Our Fire Safe communities are working continuously. We have some of the most, we have the second most fire safe communities in California. It says the people are actually doing the work here. And if you drive around, you'll see it. And hopefully it encourages you to want to work on some of your own properties. So it's, 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 a, personal, it's a personal thing that we have to work on, but insurance is going to continue to be a, a challenge. Uh, Ms. Ingram Spencer. 
fire. So we need to really sustain, uh, sustain a true fuel reduction program, not just, as I said earlier, fuel modification. And this should be for small landowners within a half mile of each of our cities in major subdivisions, initially in the two directions where we have wind events, the, coming from the southwest, which are high prevailing winds, and hot dry winds coming from the north, the east-northeast. We need to partner with the cities and major subdivisions to reduce fuel-loaded areas within their boundaries. We need to give firemen greater visibility, easier evacuation routes, and structure protection. And I think if we can show that we are doing that in connection with what we're already doing, we may have a way of dealing with private insurance companies um, that really have a stranglehold on our community. But we need to be fire safe, fire wise, and to really have a plan. And that's just an interim solution because there isn't any big solution. We've done it to ourselves. Okay. So next we go to an audience question and Ms. Masters, you answer first. <clears throat> okay. Um, in the 2020 elections, voters reported being intimidated by groups of people waving flags near the Root Center ballot drop-off box location. If elected, how would you protect the election ballot drop-off box locations from intimidation? Ms. Masters. This is a silly question for me. <laughs> Are we talking about kindergartners or adults? Adults? Uh, or kindergartners? That's the question. You have a I don't understand the, the question. question. Could you do it again? Okay. In the 2020 elections, voters reported being intimidated by groups of people waving flags near the Rood Center ballot drop-off box location. Mm -hmm. If elected, what, if anything, would you do to protect the election ballot drop-off box locations from intimidation? Well, if you're intimidated by waving flag, you shouldn't be voting. You should stay at home and watch Dancing with the Stars or SpongeBob. I would, um, first of all, we all, this is an amendment, free speech. We all allow it for our opinions and we're a community Unfortunately, we're so polarized, we're not even willing to talk to each other because we're on the other side of the fence. But if we're intimidated by flags, I have no answer to that. That's just, to me, is silly. Uh, Mr. Clark? I appreciate any question. However, um, we're in America, and it used to be that we took risk. When you get in your car, and you drive, you could have read the war, um, airbag warning at some point. A lot of people ignore that. Um, and we live with a lot of risk. How dare citizens be that ignorant? And we gotta love them though. We have to help them. And we have to consider that sometimes people are intimidated, but at the same time, we need to raise that. We need to work and reach down from those that are informed to those that are not informed and not sound heavily judgmental. They're still people, and they can vote. But I believe that just as the Board of Supervisors here was intimidated because people decided to march around on a, 
a march around this building on the week of the 19th of January, and they put out such restrictions and fear. Um, I do have a problem with, with people putting out fear from the level of this government, this okay. local government. Thank Time you. Time is up. Thank you. Ms. Hook? So I think the question is, what would I do? So I do, I can remember the episode that this happened and I don't think it was done intentional. And I do know that the parties were asked to change because there are some rules about how close you can be to a voting box. And I think respectfully, that's exactly what happened. And I would hope in the future that we do look at that as being respectful for each other. The civil discourse that we've had is crazy. I think everybody has a right. I think that, um, the group was absolutely um, stood up and uh, they did what they were supposed to do and were uh, fine with moving on and making different plans. So I want to believe that that's how it'll be from now on. I think that that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a community that is civilly engaged with each other, not against each other. We can, we can agree to disagree and um, I'm going to just continue to believe that's how this community is going to be because uh, that's what I believe in. That's what I believe our community is all about. Ms. Ingram Spencer. I think it's unfortunate that people are not respectful of somebody else's right to vote or to um, protest civilly. Um, I think that I would treat anybody with respect and civility, but I would require the same. And if you're not willing to do that, that's really unfortunate, and that speaks to you. And I'm, and I'm sorry that you feel that you can't be respectful and honor somebody else's wishes if they want to go to a, a drive-in or if they want to vote in person. Um, I'm sorry for you. You should be able to participate in the right to vote without being intimidated. And Ms. Swarthart. You absolutely should be um, able to participate and vote without being intimidation. Voter intimidation is, in my opinion, one of the worst possible things that can happen in our county. The incident I think that you're referring to, it was a lot more than people just waving flags. There was yelling, there was threats. Um, I watched video from it from both, both sides and it, it wasn't okay. And I think that we have rules and we need to abide by the rules and we need to treat each other civilly. I was the mayor of Grass Valley in 2020 during the election and I can't tell you how many phone calls I got and emails I got from people who expressed their fear and, and being intimidated by what was going on in the community. And again, we all need to be civil with one another and be respectful. And if somebody feels like you're intimidating them, you need to respect that. And I think that that was what, not what was happening. People were made fun of because they were fearful, and that's not okay. That was a different time. Okay, uh, you two want to have a rebuttal? How about if we go with Ms. Masters first? Um, I answered the question if somebody's waving the flag. I did not know that somebody's actually intimidating or yelling. I want to, as a future, hopefully, Board of Supervisor, state my position. The moment you force the other human being to think the way you want them to think, that is violence. Violence on the fundamental human being. So forcing to other person to change their opinion, it's violence no matter how you look at it, whether you, you 
for, t tell them or you scream at them. So this is a human issue where we as a humanity have to respect each other, to have a different opinions and have integrity not to force our opinion down anyone's throat. Anyone else want to rebut? Mr. It's, Clark? it's really important that government uh, be accountable for their, their oversight of the departments and to set an example. I remember speaking right here at this to the Board of Supervisors here, to my opponent, and asking her to ask Dr. Kellerman just to apologize so that we could have complete forgiveness so, Mr. Clark, I would, regarding the intimidation. The rebuttal, excuse me, the rebuttal regarding, goes to the question of intimidation. Regarding of the, the intimidation box. level that exists in this county, is it's evident when the Board of Supervisors did not address a threat of shooting unmasked citizens in this county, and then somebody saying, oh, I'm not going to do that right now. This is the level of fear that's been put into our community, and we need to stop that. There needs to be a retraction by the public health officer. There needs to be retractions in the, in the elections office today, and all four, all five supervisors, including my opponent, need to apologize to the community for not doing anything regarding the public health officer before. Was that your rebuttal or was that your closing statement? <laughs> okay. So, um, could I do one little thing? We're, we're, you guys were running out of time. So okay. we, I was hoping to get another media question in, but we're running out of time. So we're gonna, wrap, we're gonna end with closing statements. Each of you have two minutes. Um, Mr. Clark, has elected to give the final closing statement. So we'll start with Ms. Hook and go down the line and end with Mr. Clark. Oh, excuse me, I didn't see you. I'm no, so no, sorry. No, no, that was okay. I just wanted to assure that the people that come to the county offices, whether it's to here or to the recorder's office, they are, there is a safe environment, and we've taken extra steps to make sure of that. So please come. Come to our meetings and come to these departments and feel comfortable being here because um, we, we have taken steps to manage that. And I did start, so I think I finish. So... Okay, let's just be all on the same page. Mr. Clark is giving the last closing statement, and you. The first closing statement, I'm giving the last. I did the first opening statement. Right. So. I get, so, yes, because Mr. Clark is going to go last, right? That's what you elected to do. That's right. Oh. So, you go first, and Mr. Clark chose to go last. So, you go first, and then we'll go down the line with Mr. Clark giving the last closing statement. Okay. Okay. Well, good deal. So, you know what? This has been an interesting year. I've enjoyed my job being a supervisor. I've worked with many people in my community. I've been open. We've got, we've been clearing obstacles in broadband. We've been working on affordable housing. We had a campaign to end veterans, ho veterans homelessness that was great. One of the fun things we did this year was recognize our military with a military appreciation week. It was absolutely fabulous to have them all here and have that engagement we have with Beale Air Force Base. We worked, we put out millions of dollars in community resilient grants to help the folks as we went through COVID. COVID we know was just a very difficult time. But you know what, we work and I gotta say the staff here 
you can hear or say what you want, but we have an incredible staff here that's recognized through the state of California for the work they're doing. We, we win awards for the, and the merits for the innovation and for budgeting and for their intern programs that we have here. We um, are working with our emergency shelter and our rapid response team. There's so many great things going on here in this community. And I believe if I am here for another four years, there's, there's rooms and goals in the cannabis division. I have wonderful folks that are making their way and having a new economic value to the community. And, but yet we need to work on the illegals. That's, that's the biggest part. We want to get rid of illegal cannabis. We want to work with our, our, our neighborhoods. Broadband, we're doing some great things. We got some, Last mile grant programs, we're looking at a problematic EIR so that we can actually encourage broadband to come into Nevada County with some of the companies that could do that. Economic development, I'm excited. We're working on advanced um, North San Juan fire suppression system will help North San Juan actually become a little more economically valuable again because they can grow in their little community. Um, I'm excited for the housing to start on second phase in the Lone Oak Senior Apartments in Pym Valley. Those are incredibly important. And if you ever go and you meet the folks and get to hear the testimony of how those allow them to be independent and live again by themselves in a wonderful place, it's, it's heartwarming. For wildfire, I'm going to continue to work on wildfire, and I could just keep on talking. Remember, look at MyNevadaCounty.com. I'd appreciate your vote. Come and find the real answers to some of the questions that statements that have been made here tonight. And I'm, I'm always happy to answer those questions. Thank you. Um, next, we have a closing statement from Ms. Ingram Spencer. Thank you for everyone's attention this evening. That was great. And I appreciate the questions that we had. Um, I hope that I'm fortunate to be sitting here four years from now and finishing my first term as your county supervisor. I during that time, and I'm looking to the past and, and the future, I want to fight for the fire protection that we deserve and that we need. I want to assist the Cannabis Alliance to eliminate all of the illegal grows in this county because it's not only their business, it's our home, and we need to put time and energy into that. One thing that we didn't talk about this evening is housing for the missing middle, those individuals that don't make enough money to buy a home like in Timberwood or in Morgan Ranch and make too much money to qualify for a home like in Cashin Field. Those are, those are three of the things that I want to spend some time on. So if you want a supervisor who's not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to seek answers, and is only afraid of two things, embarrassing my family and snakes, I'm the person that you want to vote for and support on June 7th. Thank you. And let me add one more thing. My website is patty4supervisor.com. Thank you very much. That's why we live in downtown Grass Valley, because there's no snakes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so thank okay. you. Well, um, yeah. Ms. Worthout, closing so, statement. Thank you. Um, you know, I had prepared a statement for tonight because we've been doing these forums for a while. And um, I, I decided to change it up a little bit after I read Mr. Boardman's column in the Union this morning. And if you missed it, I'm just going to give you one little quote out of here because it kind of sums it up pretty well. I've divided the questions into two groups. The first four questions probe their attitude, meaning us, about campaigning and should give you some sense of how desperately they are to win the election. The second group focuses on how, the, how they'll govern you you know, spend your tax dollars and create petty annoyances in your life. And I assure you, I don't stay up at night trying to think of petty annoyances for my constituents. 
And while I believe his comments were somewhat tongue-in-cheek, I was also struck by how cynical it was. I've run for office seven times in the last, over the last 24 years, and I've had more shitty things said about me over that, those 25 years than probably everybody sitting up here combined. I've had death threats. I've had threats on my business and my home. Um, I've been called every name in the book, but I still am here and I persist because I truly love this community. Um, you know, when people will say, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying that for people to feel sorry for me, I'm saying to tell you how I feel about being an elected official in this community. But here's the thing, with all the anger and angst and cynicism about the world we live in today, I'm still hopeful. And one of the things that keeps me hopeful is that our community is still the best place to live and work. We have nonprofits that are 100% committed to helping people. We have the best public safety personnel. We have incredible projects on the horizon for providing broadband for the community, bolstering our recreational opportunities, and strengthening our local economy. And most of all, this community is made up of thoughtful, generous people that know how to take care of our neighbors in tough times. If I'm elected, I'll work to maintain all that is good in Nevada County and work through the challenges that we have, create, that have created so much cynicism that you see today. So if you're looking for a candidate who's hopeful, then I'm the person for you. I humbly ask for your vote on June, 2nd, June 7th. And also, uh, my, you can reach me at my website, which is worthoutforsupervisor.com. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Masters? Yes. I'm, <clears throat> I'm in, my intention is to bring awareness that we cannot live on our land based on our financial abilities. Instead of working about, worrying about how we're gonna provide living situation for people here, how about allowing our county to have tiny homes, live in the trailer, and guess what? Suddenly, 99% of people no longer will be homeless. They will have a place to come. But our county somehow is not allowing that. We have this inhumane pricing for permits. It's no wonder why we have homelessness issue. People can't afford our permits are astronomical. We have restriction on unique kind of dwellings that celebrate creative human spirit. We all watch on the Netflix unique homes and people go there for visiting. We cannot have this here because the county is not allowing that. The last two years of our COVID situation our board of supervisor was not available. We came here every day, every Tuesday to meet them. None of them were there at their job. They were exited. When the moment of emergency, our, our leaders should be amongst people helping on the front line instead of hiding behind the doors. Our sheriff was never been available. She was never to, to be seen. What kind of leadership we have when they're not here? Our county is even thinking about destroying the future of our environment. Let's think about that. We need to come up with a feasible solution to the homeless issues where we make money and it benefits their self-esteem and their integrity. We need to address our drone surveillance issue of our children and tracking tracing policy. But above all, I'm guided by the principle of pursuit of our happiness. If our community is happy, we are happy. And happiness starts at home. By having happy homes, we have happy lives. 
So by being here. Thank you, Ms. Masters. Time is up. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Mr. Clark. My name's Calvin Clark. I will uphold the oath of office. And I will repeal bad laws. There are plenty of them here. I saw an 80-year-old woman be intimidated by two of the local security because she wanted to make a public comment, but our chair said, nope, it's over. And, they, and then these two guys surrounded her. No wonder this county is polarized. I want to solve that problem. We need your input to do that. As your supervisor, I will defend and protect your rights. I don't believe it's our place as supervisors to vote on your rights, especially without your input. I believe it's necessary to have public meetings that the working class can also have access to. And a lot of the entrepreneurs do show up, but at the same time, it's difficult on their schedules. We need to have public access to our government. I will create better solutions with your input. I will have the ability, if I'm your supervisor, to measure the state policies and decipher what are policies and what are laws. And with your input, and we have so much talent in this, in this county, just look around the room today, each one of you, and even those of my opponent and, and, and people that I differ with, there are a lot of really intelligent people. But along with intelligence, there needs to be wisdom. You can't just have knowledge in this county. My vision is that we will implement the wisdom of the people to regulate your government, of which I honorably will serve you. I'm Calvin Clark, elect Cal Clark at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the candidates for participating in this evening's forum. And thank you also to the union, UBANET, and KNCO. Thank you.